Welcome to the Crypto for Planners podcast, the most interesting CFP in the financial planning profession. I am thrilled today to be joined by a fellow CDAA member, Nick Riley. Um, Nick has a financial planning firm up in the Northwest. It was funny because I was just there and we were talking about how amazing uh, just the entire topography of the area is. And so he's going to be a personal tour guide next time, total Uber driver, all that. But Nick, we're so excited to have you today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate it. I love that. I feel like the listeners got cut short on their uh, topography conversation around uh, around Washington State. And I, I don't want to talk it up too much because I don't want too many people to move up here. Uh, there's already <laughs> a lot of people moving up from California and Texas and all these different places. But uh, yeah, it's great to be uh, on the podcast. No, and just full disclosure, as a Florida boy born and raised who has never seen but like two hills in his life, um, it was absolutely beautiful. So I totally recommend you, you, you have to go at least visit and Nick will show you around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm well, sure you'll know how to find me through the uh, show notes and all that. So don't, don't hesitate. I love, I love meeting new people. That's amazing. Yeah. So the, what, what we're hoping to just kind of have a, a conversation about, um, was just getting into a little bit about your own practice, your own firm and kind of walking through some of the different decisions, some of the different um, maybe roadblocks, hurdles, uh, things that required a lot of energy to actually be offering some sort of crypto advice offering for your firm, for your clients. You know, so many of, of the people in the planner DAO have begun this process. And, you know, for a lot of really good reasons, it's just very easy to get stuck. And um, what I, I wanted to, to kind of just have a conversation because you have been one of the few that have really, you know, taken ownership of this space and this opportunity. Um, so hopefully we can just have a good conversation about it and, um, you know, maybe encourage and inspire some others to, you know, keep going because it's, you know, at the end of the day, I think you and I both agree this it's worth it. It's, it's not easy, yeah. but it's worth it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we start in the beginning and just, you know, zoom all the way back out 10,000 foot view, like, why did you even want to become a financial planner in the first place? There's so many, you know, different things you could do, so many reasons you're drawn to the space. What what was it for you that said, I don't want to be a CPA or something else? I want to be a financial planner. Yeah. Well, the short answer is uh, I grew up with a dad as a financial planner, a financial advisor, stockbroker back in the day. That's a little bit boring because there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, but I was exposed, you know, the point of the story is like I was exposed early on to investing. I uh, was fascinated. Uh, I really wanted to be a hedge fund manager out in New York City, mm. San Francisco, you know, run a bunch of money uh, and realized, you know, I got a degree in finance going through college and realized I like the personal side of finances more than I like just moving money around and seeing uh, seeing a digital dollar uh, appreciating value or whatnot, managing a big uh, bulk of assets. And ultimately just really kind of, I forget what led me to it, but uh, you know, I looked at, you know, how can people live a fulfilling life and be more happy? And, and a lot of that comes down to your overall health, your relationships and your finances, those three core areas of your life. I didn't want to become a counselor. So I, I knew the relationship <laughs> side was not, not my cup of tea. Uh, 
I I like the health side, but like I get a little woozy and and I I, I can't really uh, you know use that as a career for myself. And I already knew finances, so it was a natural thing for me to get into. Uh, that being said, I so I started on the brokerage side uh, with Wells Fargo Advisors and. I really, quite frankly, did not uh, like working for a large mm. broker dealer. And I know there's you know, a lot of listeners there that that might be able to relate to that as well. Uh, I had a lot of frustrations early on in the career, just trying to, you know, you know, all the encouragement to start your own practice, just like many of the older advisors did in the 80s, uh, cold calling and all this kind of stuff in a day of social media and everything else. And just found it very frustrating to have to go through all these non-digital uh, best practices and just felt like I was restrained. And ultimately, mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to start my own business someday to hopefully disrupt the industry. Uh, being the uh, <laughs> the your fresh college grad uh, with big, Absolutely. big anticipations for my future. Uh, so I ended up leaving leaving Wells, uh, went to a larger regional family office uh, where I got to work with uh, very large net worth uh, households, you know, 50 to 100 million in assets, and really enjoyed my time there, uh, but knew I still wanted to start my own practice. And I've always been one that's wanted to disrupt financial services, but didn't know how to. And then all of a sudden, crypto came along and, and DeFi wow. and, and these digital assets. So I, I was fascinated by it all. So I actually you know started my own practice four years ago. Uh, so back in 2018, uh, I got married you know, just before that. So I needed some income. So I decided to get a job in tech and I was worked in tech sales for three years while building the practice up. And uh, I've been full-time in the practice this last year. So uh, I, that's the long-winded version of the story, but yeah. I absolutely love what I do. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. And, and I, I resonate with that in so many levels because I remember um, 2003, um, back a, a much, much longer time ago. Um, I, 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 it was, it was the most crazy thing ever where they're like, Hey, guess what? You're, you know, fresh out of college. You need to go convince someone who's 55 and a business owner and who has seen everything that like, they should trust you with their entire life savings and it'll be yeah. fine. Right. Like, it'll just be mm -hmm. totally like the, just the whole thing never made any sense to me either. Um, and very same way. Like I, I, that was a major experience that said, you know, I'm just, I, I don't want to do it this way. You know, I, I always viewed myself more as a, a coach and an educator and just wanted to present options. And so, um, had, a, had a very similar, similar start. So that's, that's funny. And so, um, you, you, you mentioned this, this experience with, with tech sales, um, was that helpful in some ways in your understanding of digital assets or, um, you know, maybe did it, did, was it easier for you to to sort of embrace this idea? Help help me understand how you you went from seeing crypto, seeing how it could disrupt things, having this tech experience, and all of a sudden now you're going to like implement it into you know like a, you know a firm strategy, or it was going to become a part of what you did. Help me understand that progression. Yeah, sure. So I guess I got first exposed like I knew of Bitcoin and stuff early on, but never really. Uh, had the patience to figure out how to get involved in it. And I, of course, I'm I'm <laughs> angry at myself for not doing that, <laughs> as, as many of us are. Uh, but yes. I got exposed to the ICO, the initial coin offering scene through uh, through an old like mutual client uh, at a firm that I worked with. And he was explaining the ICO process back in 2016, 2017 timeframe. 
And I was fascinated by it. So I, I started looking into uh, the, the inner workings of that. And, and obviously working in tech, you, you just get more exposure to that uh, than you do in the financial services. Uh, financial mm-hmm. services, you know, a lot of advisors uh, to their detriment, I, I think, uh, you might be so stuck in their current way of operating where they don't understand the world around them evolving. And financial services has always evolved much slower than other yeah. uh, industries that are related to more tech. Uh, financial technology wasn't a thing uh, really 20 years ago. So it's, it's evolved more and more. And uh, so I guess like I kind of developed with my financial services background when I was working in tech, they kept wanting me to work with fintech companies. And that eventually mm-hmm. evolved me working at uh, Amazon Web Services, specializing in blockchain technology startups uh, that were building digital asset solutions. And so I got very much exposed to it, uh, you know, working directly with these, these companies that were high growth. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of talent in the development space moving from traditional web development, you know, backend, front-end development to web three development. And mm-hmm. uh, that that shift is happening. And much like in the 90s, that transition towards uh, development for the, the internet and internet-based companies, that's happening again today, but in a new phase of the internet. And uh, I you know, can't say I know where, where it's going exactly, but I want to be a part sure. of that wave. And I think yeah, absolutely. Fiduciary, as a fiduciary advisor, uh, it's our job to understand these other up and coming asset classes that can not only create wealth, uh, but but just the education alone of understanding how this will evolve allows many of our clients who might be working in tech or uh, in industries that will be disrupted to be able to also be ahead of the curve. So that's yeah. kind of my mission is, is to really educate more people uh, so that they can you know, arm themselves and, and prepare themselves for this next wave. No, that's, that's so rich. And that's a great answer. And I really appreciate that. Um, you, you touched on so, so many cool things and, and that are just fresh in my own mind. Um, you know, the financial world is very much this sort of siloed off existence, right? And, and so many of us just live on whatever platform your custodian provides for you, right? So like if you're custody at Fidelity or Schwab TD, like that tends to just be your world. And you you very rarely kind of lift your gaze enough to see what else is going on out there. You know, if it's not a fund that's being offered there, if it's not an alternative, if it's not a, a you know, an SMA that's in your world, then rightly so, you, you just really don't even know that it's out there and it exists. And I, I, I think that what, what this has kind of caused is like this just Cambrian explosion of possibility in the financial space. And, and you said like 20 years ago, FinTech didn't exist. Like I would argue it probably didn't even exist like eight years ago. I mean, we, this is, this is still so new for, you know, financial stodgy dinosaurs, you know, to, to like have an app that, considered user experience and how they designed it, you know, like that's just, that hasn't been a thing up until pretty recent. So, um, I love, I love that you're, you're, you're framing this as, as a technology and not just some sort of like alternative asset class that can just help you get rich or, you know, it's just, it's just a risk asset. Like this is an actual technology, um, that we, we actually have a good adoption curve for, I mean, if you line up 
um, I think active crypto users and internet adoption, internet users, and you line up the two, they're they're tracking. You know, yeah. they they they're very very similar, and so oftentimes, you know, that's something that we hear. This is just a fad. This is just a bubble. This is just sort of like a weird thing, and. You know, my response is, look, Beanie Babies never followed an adoption curve. Okay, that that was like growing and then it collapsed and it never came back. And yeah. we would have seen that actually in, in 2017 with an ICO craze and bubble. If if this whole thing was really just a fad, if, if you and I, Nick, were just totally missing the point, you know, we would have seen adoption just fall off a cliff. But that's that's not what happened. It's tracking yeah. In fact, it's 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 even more. There's more users than you know the internet user. Uh, I try to remember how far ahead crypto uses, but it, the point yeah. is, it's a technology, and yeah. we actually have a good use case that is very recent that we all know how the story ends to sort of guide: is this really a thing? Is this really going to go away? Is it just going to become, you know, the next alternative thing in a portfolio? And and you know, I would argue this this is a technology that is revolutionary. And, and like you, I think that's why so many of us are so interested in it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, there, there is always with any new disruptive technology, uh, uh, the, uh, the possibility of being too early too. Uh, and I think, you know, I think the, the last few years, the different bull and bear cycles that crypto has already experienced, uh, were those natural uh, sequences of events that will occur in, with an early disruptive technology, and and I think what this 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 most recent bear market has has impacted more people because real world businesses have been building on the blockchain. Uh, I consulted yeah. for many of them when I was at AWS and Salesforce, and uh, you know they're building on the blockchain. So there's real world businesses that are backed by real investors. That are building on chain and this is the first wave of of really like crypto companies uh being impacted by it so a lot of real world money being impacted by this this new bear market so i think as we experience more of these down down the line uh it'll help fine-tune the direction of the technology because uh there's so many use cases for it that that i don't think we can even fathom uh will be yeah. available in the next five to ten years Oh, it's, it's, it is truly the, the most fascinating thing, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to, to witness. Um, and that's, yeah. that's cool. And I, and I really appreciate your perspective because again, there, there's some who would have some pushback and go, well, this is just a bunch of, you know, like gambling degenerates that gambled with their, you know, their PPP money or their, you know, just that this was, this is just a bunch of retail making bad decisions on an app at 2am. Mm. And yeah. that's, that's not the that's not the whole story. That may be yeah. a piece of it. Um, I have a younger brother, and that's his story. And that's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, can you please stop doing that? But it's a fun piece of the pie to read about. That's for sure. It is. It, it is. It's a it's a very interesting yeah. piece of the pie. Yeah. We'll say yeah. that. But um, so you you have this unique perspective. You have this unique background. Um, you know, it it sort of sets you up to to understand. Um, you know what this was. This was a, this was a technology application that had incredible potential. Um, how, what was the decision like, or what, how was sort of the conversation like to say, okay, I, I, I not only like this, I need to put this into a piece of my financial planning practice. It needs to have a, a place in what I'm doing to help clients. Talk me through that sort of decision or, or, or how you went from just simply going, this is really cool. 
I, I love talking about it too. It has it has to have a place in my firm operations and structure. Yeah, yeah. So my my firm from the beginning has always been tech focused. So incorporating the latest technology uh, to better serve my clients. And I look at technology as a way to further enhance the the, the client experience that that uh, you know maybe an older traditional advisor wouldn't be able to do at scale. Uh, without using technology. So it was a natural segue into kind of understanding digital assets and seeing it as an opportunity, as a discussion point uh, with clients. And and as you know, whenever uh, you learn something, it it helps to articulate that to other people and have conversations. So I just am very open to to having those conversations with clients. I, I, I approach them, any new prospects, any new clients, uh, you know, I, I asked them, what do you know about crypto? How do you feel about it? Let them talk and let them share uh, their feelings about it. And many of the times there's, it's surprising that there's a strong opinion in either, either direction. Uh, but you know, oftentimes it's not backed by a lot of understanding. Mm-hmm. And right. so when you can start to peel back some of the layers of like what it actually is and what it is not, because it's, there's plenty of things that Bitcoin is not either. And but but you know, many news articles will tout it as such. And uh, you know, obviously Bitcoin is the largest by market cap. So that tends to be the intro conversation mm-hmm. uh, that allows us to get into more of the larger impacts that the underlying technology can have in un- other industries. And uh, so yeah, that's ultimately how I've kind of taking the approach of, of just education first, making sure people understand what it is. And then we discuss, you know, a willingness to maybe invest in it. And uh, it always comes back to the rule of you know, don't invest more than you're willing to lose. Because uh, yeah. even a small amount, you know, whatever that allocation might be and whatever you're comfortable with, uh, you know, that could, you know, what it might be a 3% allocation to your portfolio, that could eventually become 10% of your portfolio. Uh, that that you know that's a meaningful amount. Whereas losing three percent, I mean, your portfolio can fluctuate these days three percent uh, on a daily sure. basis. So, I uh, I think that's been the approach that I've taken is just really leading with education. Oh, that's awesome, and um, it it makes me think about like like you said, you know, Bitcoin just has so many stories written about it, and so it, it typically is the the safest place to start, you know, to, to dive deeper into, you know, whether it's, you know, smart contracts and, and, you know, web three and these other things, it really does kind of have to start there um, yeah. to, to frame the conversation. So, um, you know, you mentioned it's, it's just a part of listening. Let, tell me how you would respond to someone who had like, um, you know, was, was very anti against it. Like how, how would you handle that moment where there was just like, Hey, Warren Buffett says this is rat poison. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, fill in the blank of all the the things that we've heard how in those moments, like, how would you handle that conversation? Um, because again, I think these are really helpful examples for advisors to, to hear and listen, um, you know, what what's really happening? What what are real conversations looking like out there in the trenches? Yeah, yeah. So I would respond. You, know, how do you feel about the cost of living right now? How do you feel about cash sitting in your bank, uh, losing purchasing power? Uh, you know, it's not not to say that that Bitcoin or or digital assets are the answer, but it is an alternative uh, to be looking for higher yield, 
uh, you know, higher growth potential to ultimately preserve your savings. Uh, you look at, you know, back in the day, uh, you'll, I would say 50 years ago now, you know, there was a, there was a savings account and you have your investments and your savings was meant to really uh, be that safe, that safe allocation where you could still beat inflation, preserve purchasing power and, and save up for, uh, you know, kind of short to medium term goals, uh, buying a yeah. home uh, and all that. And then whatever you had left over, you would be able to invest that. And you yeah. know, kind of look for more higher return type of investments, more legacy building investments. Well, now, like you have, you cashed it in your account. Uh, you should have an emergency fund. You have to have that in order to to withstand any financial crisis. You lose your job. You become disabled. You need cash, but that cash is losing purchasing power over time. Yeah. So if if you know Bitcoin serves as a, a, a possibility of of potentially preserving preserving uh, your purchasing power just like gold has for for many years uh but obviously there's 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 downsides and upsides to having gold gold is gold has a physical ability to be used and you can wear gold and you can hold it it's physical but it's not very practical when it comes to exchanging uh exchanging value so uh, that's where you know I look at Bitcoin and digital assets. So with clients or prospective clients that 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 are concerned about it or they they're listening to a 98 year old you know Charles Munger say that it's, <laughs> like, he has no incentive. He's not going to be around much longer. Sure. So sure. Uh, you know, same with Warren Buffett. But uh, I think just pushing the question back to them of thinking, okay, well you, maybe there are other things that I should be looking into. Yeah, I, I that's I think that's really helpful. Um, and I'm glad that that you, you know, you shared because we're we're still at the very, very beginning stages of understanding what this, you know, what this new thing is and how people are interacting with it. And, you know, everyone knows who listens, like I'm in Tampa. My my book of business was really, really old. And I joke that again, whatever you think old is, you got to add more to it because that's how old um, you know, my my clientele, you know, average median age was, but um, I, I I was definitely always shocked to learn that, you know, there are some 50 and 60 year old clients who are very, very open to this idea. And oftentimes it's because they, they do still see, Hey, listen, I still have 30 more years of my plan that I want to enjoy. I, I need to keep up with, you know, the, the, the continuing rising costs. And so it's it's always interesting the people that it's like this is so new you can't really have these set mindsets going into it saying okay you know hipster millennial you know entrepreneur guy is going to be all in and old 60 year old you know almost retired you know business owner um is, is going to be not in like you 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 just don't know. And yeah. um, people have had very unique experiences with this, some very positive, like you said, very negative. And so um, you just have to start the conversation and be open to kind of just hear what they have to say and and then, you know, kind of take it from there. And um, also like how you, you're always tying it back to planning goals. You know, this is about maintaining a, a portfolio to help you achieve these goals, right? And it's not just another growth strategy. This This has to be have some context of a plan attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, context is is definitely king in in the case of of financial planning. But yeah, I mean, you touched on older clients too, and and I've definitely experienced that. I I have a much you know 
lower uh, average client age, probably, you know, upper 30s, low 40s, uh, where, where, you know, people are maybe more open to the technology shift, but uh, plenty of retirees and pre-retirees looking at it because, you know, if they're about to retire, this, this could potentially impact them uh, significantly. Yeah. So they want to understand it. And then you have people that just want to continue to to learn, uh, to stay young. And you have, you always hear stories about, you know, people no longer being able to play bingo during the pandemic. Well, you know, they could open up a Robinhood account uh, online and start trading crypto that way. And it's just kind of funny to hear stories like that, but uh, definitely, uh, definitely something that is becoming more prevalent uh, in, in conversations with clients. So from a, a practical operations perspective, um, are you managing uh, crypto assets for your clients or are you just treating it as, as a, as an asset that you give advice on maybe for a fee only kind of a, like what's, what, what's the setup that you've chosen to move forward with um, for your, your firm? Yeah. So uh, it's been a process uh, and I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's been issues along the way. There's been, uh, you know, new findings. I'm <laughs> like, oh, this is great. And I'm all hopeful, but the technology is still young. And uh, so initially I I started looking into solutions to directly, uh, you know, have an institutional relationship with Gemini and, and other custodians like Coinbase uh, to be able to onboard clients and directly manage those. Uh you know, there are some great solutions out there for that. And I still use some of that uh, to directly manage for clients, but but I, I'm finding it to be, so I, I lead with the balance sheet. So so we I use a solution uh, through kubera.com uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, that allows me to bring in a lot of uh, both traditional assets and digital assets for some of my digital native type clients. Uh, not necessarily for people that don't have any crypto yet, uh, but I look at their full balance sheet uh, using you know my my software, and you know we decide how much to be allocated. Uh, lead with education, you know they you know once they give me the green light to say okay I want to invest some, we just determine how much to is safe to be investing, how much they want to invest based on the goals that they have and what they want to achieve financially, and ideally like. It's not the most scalable thing right now, but I think uh, getting people on chain, uh, getting clients on chain to navigate what it's like to uh, place a trade uh, using their MetaMask wallet, uh, you know, you'll keep their keys safe uh, and own their own keys to their wallets. That I think is is really valuable for people. Uh, mm -hmm. But obviously, mm -hmm. there's always going to be people in our industry that that want to have it managed for them. So that's where the managed solutions come into play. No, that's that. I, I really appreciate you sharing that because, again, I know so many firms are trying to figure out, you know, what, just just how to to put all these pieces of this puzzle together. And like you said, it is this is not a very intuitive, easy process. You know, the, sometimes those, um, you know, I, I have young kids, so we make a lot of puzzles, you know, we do puzzles together and like, you know, when they, when they don't fit right. And you're just going, I, I know this piece has to go here, but there's just, you know, for some reason, the way it was cut, something is just not, it, it's just making it really difficult to, to, you know, make this puzzle come together. And, yeah. um, I, I think that, we, we have to acknowledge that we're still very early, you know, and, and even we talked about how fintech, you know, 10 years ago, wasn't even really that much of a thing in, in our industry. 
to be fair, two years ago, there weren't even really custodial options that were open to advisor, you know, relationships. They didn't even know we existed. Right. And yeah, so yeah. it's, it's come a long way and we, you know, certainly can be grateful for that and also acknowledge still that there's just, it's not an easy thing yet. And so um, I, again, that, I think that feedback is helpful, um, you know, for those that are out there still trying to put these pieces together. Um, and I also love that you, you don't shy away from the the getting your hands dirty on chain because there there is something very distinct about um, you know the the crypto experience when you can help someone get that I I have found it really helps open their eyes to just the possibilities of what this could become yeah you know there there is like you said there is always someone who goes that's amazing um, in fact this was one of my very first experiences was. Uh, a really good friend of mine's sister who was like a, she's like an HR person out in San Francisco biotech company, like mm-hmm. brilliant, totally got the technology, read Satoshi's white paper and then said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go up the coast and have like a picnic with my friends. Can you do this for me? And I was like, no, 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 but you don't understand. Like, that's the point is you don't need me. You don't. And she's like, no, 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 it's great. Can, can you do it for me? And that was the, a very eye-opening experience that even when you can still understand the technology, there's still people that just want to go live their lives and they, they want to trust someone else to monitor and watch and, you know, guide, you know, those kind of decisions. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I I went off on a tangent there. No, it's, I, I I go off on a tangent daily. So whether it's with (laughs) myself (laughs) or with clients, so yeah, I'll get, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back. you, You were, we were talking about getting your hands dirty with crypto, um, yeah. you know, that there, there is a, there's a place for not only embracing getting clients on chain, but then using it as a reason, as a tool to educate and help further their understanding of this, the subject that it's not just simply um, operationally, you know, or regulatory convenience that there, there's, there's actually a, a, a larger goal that you can tap into with that kind of choice. And I think that yeah. that's, it ties into, again, your understanding of the tech um, and using that as a way to say, look, let me show you how to do, it. let me show you how, how you can do this on MetaMask and what approving these transactions looks like, because that's what starts to broaden your gaze to it's, this is more than just other tokens that there there's a whole other world coming, you know, in the yeah. next five to 10 years here that is going to live like this. Why, yeah. why not start helping them download the, you know, AOL, you know, instant messenger app, you know, yeah. to their computers and, you know, 1997, like yeah. let's, let's help them get, get used to this because this is where it's going. Yeah. Like teaching grandma how to text kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it definitely like, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the, the ability for them to get involved and start to understand what it's like uh, to work inside uh, both on chain and off chain, maybe through a custodian uh, just kind of opens their eyes. And I I would encourage other advisors listening to like, you don't have to just have a flat fee model where uh, like I, I charge a flat fee on on complexity and net worth, but I also have a percentage based fee, like many advisors do. And even if you have a percentage based fee, you know there's always that possibility where where uh, you have you know a client needing to buy a home, and will they take a significant portion of their assets out to buy that home and put towards a down payment? Three percent of a portfolio, if you're allocating that towards crypto, 
is much smaller than than a down payment for a home in most cases. So, uh, yeah. you know, being able to allocate that and show that your clients demonstrate to your clients that you are working on their behalf to understand new asset classes, new alternative uh, uh, investments, new ways to perhaps continue to build their wealth and continue to build their legacy. So even just coaching them or educating them or pointing them out to the possibilities, uh, I think will pay dividends for uh, for advisors long-term uh, in building their practice, building trust with their clients and, and really helping even just work towards that that huge transition of wealth that will occur uh, from the boomer generation to the younger generation over the next uh, however many years. Yeah, I, I I'm really glad that you you framed it in that 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 way because that's that's another major pushback we get sometimes is why why would I do all this for just a, a small you know percentage of a portfolio you know i don't spend this much time allocating to other alternatives commodities like no one asks me to understand like rare earth mining production you know rigs and facilities just so i can allocate to it so you know why why does it matter for me to be so um you know hands on with digital assets and crypto and and again i think there is a lot of really good um good things there if 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 there's something else you wanted to add you can you, you can chime in, but um, I, I think really it's um, it's the idea that again, this is a transformative technology in the early dawning of its uh, you know use cases and influence and in, you know culture and how it touches everything. And so, if you're confident that that is going to increase over time, like you said, it makes sense to help grandma start texting now because. Mm-hmm. Five years from now, she's just going to be asking Siri to send that text. And yeah. 10 years from now, it's going to just be, you know, somehow tethered to some sort of mental thing. You know, she's going to think yeah, it yeah. and it's going to send that text. And, yeah. um, you know, if if you if you see that arc coming, um, it makes sense to participate in that development and growth now. Yeah. And I I, I would just encourage advisors not be intimidated by it. Uh, yes, there's a lot of things to read. If you don't know what to read, uh, reach out to any of us through the Planner DAO or you know anyone that has a CDAA. Uh, you know, think about getting the CDAA. That's just a, a way to kind of kickstart your journey uh, into understanding the space and just ultimately arm yourself with the ability to you'll just start having conversations with clients. I think they're because it's such an early technology. They're going to be fine with you not fully understanding it. No one, yeah. no one, one hundred percent understands everything. Even the smartest developers out there that are developing in the Web three space, they they can't stay on top of all these protocols and projects and the newest happenings in the industry. Uh, so same thing with us. If we're if we're trying to at least understand how it impacts our clients' portfolios, how it impacts our future. Uh, that to me is is you know, what a fiduciary advisor should be doing in the first place. You don't have to understand it 100 percent before you have that first conversation with a client. Yeah. And what you just said at the end is is such a powerful reminder that, you know, when you're a fiduciary, you know, that there is a trust and a, you know, just a relational connection there that your clients, they know you're going to do what's in their best interest. And when you lead with that, you don't have to know everything about, like you said, every you know nook and cranny of this fast paced you know world it's you you have there you have that relationship and 
this is just a piece of that relationship. It doesn't have to be the thing that dominates it. And um, I, I appreciate you saying it because I, we have also heard that, you know, what if my clients, you know, what if they, they, they probably know just as much as I do about this. And I would say, number one, they don't. And, and number two, it's, it's still, it's still another thing connected to your values as an advisor, nurturing this trust and this relationship that you have with them. And, you, I, I've found that more often than not, clients are like, hey, listen, if this is what you think we need to do, then that's that's the deciding factor, right? Like I, yeah. I've not had my career filled with people nitpicking. I mean, some do, but <laughs> people aren't going, I don't know why we're buying this S&P 500 index because, and then they rattle off all this information and facts. It's simply saying, this is what you think we need to achieve our goals. This is what you're comfortable with then that's, then let's do it. You know, that, that's typically, you know, when you have led with that fiduciary standard and you've cultivated that trust, then, then that's really, you know, where you can end up with it. So I, I will, I will leave you to get the, the, the final, final comment, but um, again, Nick, I, I'm, I'm so, so very grateful for your time and your perspective as um, you know, as an advisor who is starting these conversations, that's um, figured out a way to, to, you know, implement it in your operational, you know, day-to-day. Um, it's, it's a part of how you talk to your clients. Um, and, and I just, again, thanks for your time. I'll, I'll let you last little encouragements or things to consider um, that, that were helpful for you in this sort of crazy journey. Like you said, this difficult, not easy journey, but one that you've navigated to this point. Yeah, well, uh, first off, yeah, thank you, Justin, for having me on and, and all your work. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a humble guy, so you won't talk about it much, but I know you're working hard uh, to come up with solutions for advisors in this space. And, and you know, you, along with everyone else in the Planner DAO, is doing some great work. Uh, you all have, like, it's all pretty much a second job at this point for you guys. So uh, I would encourage any of the listeners, reach out to any of us. Uh, you, can, you can reach me directly at nick at onedayadvice.com. Uh, happy to answer any questions, hop on calls with people that just are wanting to understand how to start incorporating this into their practice and things to be mindful of. And, and uh, you know, safe to say I've been in this now for uh, for a couple of years, at least in the digital asset space with, with clients. And I've made mistakes that I would rather have uh, other people not make, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but I've learned from them too. So uh, I want to make sure that other advisors are armed and ready to start facilitating these conversations with clients. So uh, once again, just happy to be on this, uh, on this podcast with you, Justin. No, thanks to two years. You're like a, a grizzly veteran. Now you've, you have war stories and scars and it's two years is a lifetime in crypto. Um, yeah. but no, I thank you for saying that the, the, the planner doubt continues to be the, the one group of advisors who is constantly pushing forward and identifying problems and saying, let's go, let's go build something. It doesn't exist. All right, fine. Let's figure out what do we need to do to, to make it happen. So hopefully, you know, we can share some of the new things that are coming in the fall. Um, this really is uh, just an exciting time to be here. And again, because people like you are here, Nick, like you're, you're very generous with your time. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us. We'll make sure to include social handles, email handles, ways to, to ask, um, connect and continue this journey. So thank you so much, Nick. This is the Crypto for Planners podcast the most interesting CFP in the world. Stay crypto, my friends.